I'm about to tell you a plot spoiler. Right? Now, don't worry. It's not Barbie, which I saw on Friday. And it's not Oppenheimer, which I wish I'd seen on Friday. <laughs> the plot spoiler is Darnell. It's a form of ryegrass that a young plant looks like a young wheat plant. It will spoil any plot where you're growing wheat. It will spoil that production, unless, of course, removed before the harvest. We hear of this plant in Shakespeare's King Lear. The king becomes destitute and mentally incapacitated, during which time he wears a crown of grassy plants. And his third daughter, Cornelia, cares about him. She loves him and says to a doctor, Alack! Tis he why he was met even now, as mad as the vexed sea, singing aloud, crowned with rank fumitor and furrow weeds, with burdocks, hemlock, nettles, cuckoo flowers, darnel, and all the idle weeds that grow in our sustaining corn. It's thought by some that the king, Lear, has actually taken to not only wearing a crown of weeds, but he's been eating them too. And this contributes to his deteriorating mental and physical condition. Darnell, in particular, is known to be not simply any ryegrass, but the bearer of an intoxicating poison. It slurs speech, it blurs vision, it makes the consumer dizzy, its nauseousness results, and in quantity, it can lead to death. It's not a good plant to have in with your wheat. And yet, even today in Ethiopia, about 10% of the wheat crop has done, is actually Darnell. It's widely considered to be the crop that is sown by the evil one in this passage. It's what Jesus was thinking of and what the crowd would know about as he tells them this parable. It looks so similar in those first few days and weeks as the shoot comes up. It's indistinguishable. It's not until the ear appears that it can really be noticed which is the one that you wanted in your field and which is the one that you most certainly do not want at all. No one that causes harm. If the farm worker were to weed it out, 
Not only may they pull the wrong plant, but they may harm those crops that are alongside it. And they might mistake the identity in the first place. If it does not get redeed, however, it contaminates the crop. In the first century, it was common to go through the field and weed the darnel to get it out. And they would do that maybe a couple of times. It'd be a couple of goes at taking it out during the growing season. And then it would be bound up and dried and it would be burned. It would be fuel for the fire. And so the description of kind of what's going on in this passage is partly what happens, but Jesus is saying, not now. He's going against the common practice. A bit like the parable of the sower last week, where the sower scatters everywhere. Places that a normal sower wouldn't. This time, among the listeners, they'll be going, we want to pluck that out. And there'd be more than a few raised eyebrows. The plot of land in the parable is not just one field. It's the whole earth. And last week, as we thought of good seed being sown, we we considered that there was good soil where seed could land, and there was stuff that had stone underneath, and there was stuff where there was thorns, and stuff where the birds might eat it. This time, though, it is like a good field. good soil. It's where the sower wants that seed to land, where he wants it to get in, where he wants it to grow. It's a good field. A bit like in the account of creation in Genesis. It's a good earth. It's made good. At the end of each day in the story of creation and the beginning of the Bible, God looks at the earth and says, it's good. You know, this is a good place. Good things can happen here. That's what the sower thinks in this passage goes out and he sows his field because he knows good things can grow. It's a place where there can be a bounteous harvest. There's potential for everyone to be a bearer of a crop of 160 or 30 as it was last week. But then a deliberate evil act 
takes place. One of evil seed going into the good land. Now, this was known to happen in the Middle East. And we know that. The the Romans had laws against going into other people's field and scattering stuff that shouldn't be there. People contaminated other crops. Saying that, you know, I'll get more back on you. I'll stuff up your life. I'll stuff up your harvest. I'll put some seed that you don't want in there. The Romans had laws, and those laws are made because people do things that we know we don't want to happen. So we're faced with the question of what grows in what could be really good soil. Is it going to be faithful fruit? Or is it a place where poison will prosper? Everyone has potential. But what do you allow to grow in your heart? Seeds of faith or the contamination of Satan who has come into the world? As we consider our own nature, some choose to look not at themselves but to others. They can't help but spot the splinter in somebody else's eye rather than the plank that's in their own one, can they? They long to pull it out, maybe extracting it with a garden hoe. Get out there, do the spot of weeding. Or maybe just gossip about what's going on without stopping to consider their own actions. And in the process, there is possible misidentification of what they thought was a weed. And they speak against something which they shouldn't be speaking against. And they cause harm to the surrounding community of the plant life that actually should be encouraged to grow. Jesus says in the passage that the plants are to grow. Judgment will come, but the farm worker which is a role that we might sometimes identify with. In some of the other parables, the farm worker are not the ones bringing judgment. We are not the ones to bring the judgment. That is a task for the harvester. The plucking of the weed is a harvester tie. It's got to be left until the last minute. Just immediately before the actual harvest. And the harvesters, Jesus tells us in his explanation, are angels. Angels. 
Now, angels are the heavenly beings of authority. We normally think of them as messengers. They're messengers that need to say, do not be afraid, because they're scary. And their presence in this passage can come across as a bit scary because they're bringing the judgment of the Lord. You've got to remove what is evil, what has been sown, what should not be there. And after the angels have taken the weeds, there is seen to be a separation of evil from the presence of God. There remains only good upon the earth, a new Eden-like status. This does mean, however, that there will be evil until that day of judgment. It will remain in communities. It will remain in churches. It will remain in our lives. That does not mean to say that we accept it. In fact, we need to always address the issue We don't allow the evil to be within us, ourselves, even though we recognize that it is in the field. Every denomination, every church has to address their past histories of abuse and discrimination. At this year's URC General Assembly, as part of recognizing the legacy of slavery, it was agreed that ministers would receive anti-racism training. And it is right that this, like safeguarding, proceeds because we see in the press of evil that is done within churches, within communities, when it's allowed to take place. What we really want to be awake to is stopping the evil one sowing the seed. Being awake to the fact that it happens and stopping it before it does. We need to see the wheat and the weeds live alongside each other and if we have the fruit bearing plant then we must live as so serving our purpose and bringing nourishment to the world people of faith are planted by God and should live as godly people not as weeds, and not doing things that confuses folk that makes us look like weeds. We don't 
live as poison for our community. If we believe that in time, one day, we will shine with God's glory, then we need to reflect his way of love and justice and peace now and make that our way of life. It's how we will be seen in the field. Where there is good and evil, we will be seen to be good if we live God's way. Lear's downfall is his ego, his frailty, the lies that are told, and betrayal of his two eldest daughters. To put it another way, he suffers and dies as a result of his own sinfulness. It needn't have been the case. If at the beginning of the tale, he'd not offered to split his kingdom to his daughters, depending on which ones proclaimed their love in the best way. It's his foolishness that leads to his downfall, and our foolishness can lead to our own. We are similarly limited if our heart, rather than growing in fruitfulness, accepts the way of the weeds. If we allow the soil of our heart to grow the wrong thing. But all is not lost. All is not lost because it's not yet perhaps the harvest. And there is still time. All is not lost because we have a God of love who longs for us to be part of his harvest, for us to shine with his glory. And we're not a simple plant whose future is predicted from the day the seed hits the soil. In Jesus, we can always turn from who we were and be forgiven and receive the promise of eternity. The fire of weeds need not be our destination, but we may live in the kingdom of the heavenly Father because we are redeemed, forgiven of our sins by his Son. Amen.